So Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 10. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. I'm back. Hey, (laughs) can't get rid of me. Um, All right, let's pray and then we'll jump into uh, this passage. So let's do that. Um, Father God, we, uh, yeah, we want to thank you for, um, yeah, just this opportunity today that we've already had to worship you to hear about what you're doing um, in the world, and uh, now we want to meet with you as we uh, open and study your word. We pray that you would speak to us and that we would have ears to hear what you have to speak to us this morning, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, whether, whether it's your first time hearing this passage from Luke 15 or whether you've read it many times before, isn't your thought the same? Why on earth would these two people... Uh, be so overjoyed to rediscover things like a sheep in a coin, things that don't seem to be very important or expensive. Have you ever thought about that? I think about that. Why would they be so excited about one sheep, one coin? And why would they throw massive parties over things that are so trivial? Ever thought about that? It's a good question. Um, coming on the screen is the picture of uh, my favorite shirt and my least favorite hairdo I've had uh, growing up. Uh, This shirt I had there, it's a gray and green raglan sleeve baseball t-shirt with the numbers 03 on the front. I bought this shirt uh, all the way back in 1999 from a store called Old Navy. Uh, It followed me to university. Uh, There there it is, same bad haircut. Don't know what I was thinking. It was a weird time, the early 2000s. Um, When I first, uh, it was around when I first started dating Shauna. I even took it with me uh, to wear when I met Shauna's family for the very first time. Uh, It stayed with me after we were married and moved to Arizona. Uh, And this shirt, all in all, survived for about 18 years. Uh, It traveled around the world with me even coming here to Australia. It was there with me in various stages of my life. 
Uh, it was comfy and just reminded me of good times. Uh, a couple of years ago, this shirt started to get holes in it in the front, um, but I still kept it around. I even wore it. I continued to wear it even when large portions of my chest were exposed in the middle where the numbers used to be. Um, finally, the shirt was so bad that it, it wasn't really a shirt anymore, and my wife demanded that I toss it out. Um, and so I did, I, and I mourned greatly over that shirt. Uh, the shirt cost me maybe $20 at the time. It wasn't flashy or finely crafted or rare. Uh, it was just a shirt. But to me, uh, its value was beyond measure. I was actually sad to have to get rid of this shirt. Now, if I were to ask you if there are things like my 03 Old Navy Raglan Sleeve baseball t-shirt in your life, if you own something like that or have something like that, I bet you'd probably quickly be able to recall whatever that thing is to your mind. Maybe you're doing it right now, right? Uh, maybe it's a form that tells you that the, that property now belongs to you. Maybe that's your thing. Or maybe it's a piece of paper that was handed to you on some January Aussie holiday by some older politician lady who liked to fly around in helicopters on taxpayer money um, that declares you are now one of us. Um, maybe, that's, maybe that's your thing. Or maybe it's just a stick that has two lines on it instead of one that tells you that you're about to be a dad. Maybe, maybe that's the thing. Or likely for you, it's probably something entirely different altogether, but no less valuable to you. Something that has significant worth for reasons that perhaps you can't quite explain. Well, in Luke 15, 1 to 10, Jesus tells two stories of two people who are over the moon because they find the thing that was valuable to them that was lost, but now is found. These stories happen to take place around uh, as a crowd of religious elites are gathering around Jesus and notice that he's hanging out with some of the worst types of people. In verse 2, they say, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, to welcome someone and to eat with someone especially meant that you were associating with them, that you like them and are like them. Uh, and so, who does Jesus like and value, according to this commentary? Well, sinners. Sinners. It's a heavily derogatory term that means the lowlifes, the not good enoughs, the losers, those despised by both God and man. Uh, that word, sinners, implies those who are beyond help, beyond saving, valueless, worthless. But it's with these types of people and with this harsh criticism from those who think that they are more than good enough, the elites, the well-to-dos, the up-and-comers, that Jesus decides to tell these two stories. Verses 3 and 4, he says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Well, no. No is the obvious answer in case you're following along. No. Why would you do that? That's stupid. That's foolish. Why on earth would you leave 99 sheep, the overwhelming majority of your flock, uh, which is the source of your income and your livelihood if you are a shepherd, uh, in open country by themselves where they can be easily preyed upon by wolves or whatever, just to recover the one 
idiotic lone sheep who is too dumb to keep up with the crowd. That makes no sense to do. You wouldn't do something like that. Well, Jesus takes it, the story, a step further. In verses 5 to 7, he says, And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and he goes home. And he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. What? Who would do something like that? Who would throw a party for a sheep? Have you ever been invited to a sheep party? Uh, what sort of party, what sort of person would throw a party like that? The I lost my one sheep but found it again celebration disco. Imagine going to that party. Right? No, no one would do that. It's silly. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, Jesus proceeds to tell a second story. Verse 8, he says, Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Now, this story to me makes a bit more sense, doesn't it? Right? A silver coin, or a drachma uh, in, in the Greek, was equal to roughly uh, an average, sorry, a day's wage of an average worker. That's what one of those coins would be worth. So if you calculate that based solely on current minimum, New South, uh, minimum wage in New South Wales, one silver coin would be the equivalent of $160. All right, so she's lost $160. If I lost $160 somewhere in my house, I would probably sweep and vacuum and do everything I could uh, to look for it as well. For a university student, $160 is like a million dollars, right? Like, think of all the instant noodles you can buy with $160. That's a lot, right? Um, but for others of us on the northern beaches, losing $160 might not be any skin off of our back. We're like, oh, that's too bad. It's, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that much money. And we don't know if this woman was a multimillionaire or if she barely scraped by. We don't know if she was looking for the coin because of its monetary value or because it had... Uh, some sort of deep sentimental worth or, or whatever. The point is that this coin was so valuable to her that she could not rest until she found it, even if it meant turning her whole house inside out. But again, this woman does something strange. When she finds this object of irreplaceable value, what does she do? She throws a party. Verse 9, And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Again, this seems like a very strange reason to throw a party with your friends, doesn't it? Imagine today if I invited you over to my house because I'm having the, I, found, I lost my $160 but found it again, uh, masquerade, right? What would you do if I invited you to my, my house for that reason? That would be very strange. That's, that sort of thing is weird. It's unheard of. And that is exactly the point. Both the man and the woman in the story go to extreme lengths to find the thing of immeasurable value even when the response of the audience uh, would be surprise or even condescension toward those two individuals. My wife for a number of years told me to throw away my shirts. Uh, why would I keep something so old and raggedy? You can't even wear it. You don't even have muscles in your chest, Travis. Don't even... Anyway. Uh, I have much newer and intact clothing that I can wear. So why would a man endanger 99 of his flock to search for the one sheep? Why would a woman turn her house uh, in, upside down and inside out for one solitary coin? 
why would I keep a raggedy old shirt that doesn't, is not even wearable anymore? Well, Jesus tells us the answer to that, doesn't he? In verse 7, he says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who do not need to repent. In verse 10, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That word uh, repent simply means to change direction, that you are going one way that wasn't a good or healthy way, and now you're actually you're going the right way, uh, to change directions. Jesus says, when one of those people who are down and out, too far gone, lost, unsavable, are found, they change directions, they surrender their life uh, to the God who pursues them, that there is a massive party, one for the ages, that takes place in heaven. And who is exactly is that lost person beyond rescuing? Well, if you read the whole story of the Bible, that's you and me. You're that person. It's you. You are God's most valuable thing. You are that sheep. When everyone else wonders uh, why in the world anyone would go after that one lost animal, Jesus says he won't stop until he finds you. You are that coin. When everyone wonders why on earth anyone would throw a massive party for the return of one common and unexciting object, Jesus calls everyone he knows together to celebrate you. Just you, his most precious possession. There's no stone left unturned, no corner not swept. Jesus is relentless. Uh, you are of immeasurable worth. Why? Why, though? What's so valuable about that one sheep and that one coin? What's so valuable about uh, that baseball t-shirt from Old Navy? What's so irreplaceable about that photograph, or that jersey, or that memory, or that smell, or that song, or that poem, or that place, or that smile, or that person? There's probably millions of different ways to describe why that person, or that thing, or whatever was so valuable, but I think if I were to ask you, and you were to ask me, and if we were to ask God, the answer would simply be, just because it is. Just because it is. Uh, that sheep is valuable just because it is. That coin is valuable just because it is. That shirt is valuable to me because it is. And you are valuable of limitless worth to God simply because you are. And like a person grasping to recover that laugh or that feeling or that moment, or that object that's been lost, Jesus is desperate to find you because you are his and you are of immeasurable worth. In the last few weeks in the news, we've been given a very clear picture of what that looks like, haven't we? Of a little girl that's gone missing in a nation that's done everything it's, it would take to find her. And uh, if and when you watched that video and you heard the answer to the question, what's your name, little girl? Well you've been given the exact picture of what Jesus is talking about. Now, when I heard that news, I felt as if uh, I'd been holding my breath and, uh, for 18 days and was finally allowed to let it out. Maybe you felt the same. 
Maybe you've been holding your breath for too long, too, over other things. Maybe you're tired of being lost or written off. Maybe you've been told that, uh, or you feel that you aren't worth anything. Uh, maybe uh, it seems like no one is looking for you. I don't know what your story is, um, but I do know that Jesus does, says that you are so, so valuable to him. And I know that he won't stop looking for you, and I know that when he finds you, there's going to be a party like none other that has been thrown before. Which leaves us, then, to wrestle with a couple of questions. First, simple question, do you know how valuable you are to Jesus? Sounds simple, but maybe you don't know. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe no one's ever told you. Do you know how valuable you are to Jesus? Secondly, do you want to be found? Do you want to be found? Um, for those of you who are in the room, uh, you'll find on your seats something, or around your seat, something that looks like this little card. It's pretty simple. There's nothing much to it. Um, but we thought, after hearing uh, this, and over the last few weeks, really, of the stuff that we've read about Jesus and his challenge to us, we thought it would be appropriate to give us a chance to, to respond in some way. And so maybe this is your first time hearing about this, and you'd like to simply find out more about Jesus. Or maybe you'd like to get a free Bible uh, and start reading it and studying it with someone. Or maybe you've been hanging around for a while, and God has put it on your heart to respond and put your trust in Jesus, and you'd like to talk to someone about that. Whatever it is, we'd love to continue to walk alongside of you and let you know how valuable you are. We're not going to ask you to get up or do anything strange, but we just wanted to give you an opportunity to respond, and we would love, um, yeah, if you feel led to, and we'd love to continue to, to help you to ask those questions and to wrestle with what that means. So please take this out, fill it out uh, if you feel led. Uh, Luke 15 ends with one more story about something that's lost and is found. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible, and we could easily spend hours reading, in, reading it and discussing it. It's about a son who disowns his father and runs away. Uh, he loves his newfound freedom, and he, he lives it up for a while. Then his friends abandon him, and he runs out of money, and he has nothing. He's sitting in the muck, not knowing what to do. So he comes up with his plan, thinking that if I just grovel at the feet of my father, maybe he'll take me back as like a slave or a servant or something. Little does he know that his dad has been out looking for him the entire time. And when he was still a long way off, his father sees him because he was looking. And he runs out to him, he throws his arms around him, and he kisses him. And the father quickly dismisses the son's uh, apology that he's pre-rehearsed in his mind because he doesn't care. He's just so excited to have his son home. And what does he do? He throws a massive party because his son was dead but is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. And that part of the story ends with this line. So they began to celebrate. Let's pray. Fathers, we read uh, these stories that may seem strange to us about two people that 
go to extreme lengths to find that which was lost, we are meant to understand that that is a story about us. We are that lost thing. And yet, we are of limitless worth to you. So much so that you would go out of your way to do anything to win us back. We see that through the story of the Bible, how you sent your son to live and die so that we might have life in your name. Lord, this is an opportunity for us to, to ponder these questions that we asked earlier about whether we know how valuable we are to you and whether we want to be people who are found. Lord, I do pray that uh, if we've never heard this before, or maybe, um, God, you've put this on our heart, that we would respond. That we'd, we'd want to be found. We want to know how valuable we are to you and that we would pursue you just as you pursue us. We know that when we do so, there's a party in heaven that's indescribable. So they began to celebrate. Lord, we want that to be true about us. So may we put our trust in you. May we be found. May we know how much worth we are to you. We thank you for these amazing promises and truths that we've encountered in your word today. Help us to continue um, to understand your great love for us in Jesus. And I pray this in his name. Amen.